Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we do thank you for the day in which you've given us. God, I thank you for the opportunity to open your word, to dive in, to see what it is you have to say. Uh, God, in these next few minutes here, I just pray that uh, you speak. Uh, Lord, that, that you uh, teach what it is that um, uh, is written for us to, to learn. Uh, but God, not just for information, but for transformation. Uh, so God, let us uh, be transformed by your word, by your spirit, amongst your people for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you have a, uh, if you have a Bible, turn to where we at? Mark chapter 6. Now, as you're going to see in your, uh, the, the notes for today, um, there's a section at the bottom that says important terms at LifePoint. Uh, that is just there for your reference. Um, so we're not going to go through all of those uh, terms, but what I want you to do, I wanted to throw that out there because as we're talking about small groups today, um, it, it's important to understand um, the, the focus of what small groups are for. Um, so understanding that the, the, the small groups are all focused on discipleship, uh, we need a, a clear understanding of what discipleship truly is. So that's why we put that term down there. Discipleship is intentionally engaging in relationships for the purpose of training in godliness. But it doesn't stop there. It's to promote transformation of the whole person. We believe that discipleship is not just a head action, but it's also it's a head, it's a heart, and it's a hands. It's for the transformation of the whole person. There's a lot of people who have had, and I know that some of you have met these people, they know a whole lot about the Bible, or they know a whole lot about God. But that's all they know is they have that, that head knowledge. The head knowledge hasn't transferred to the heart, which then transfers to the hand, the hands. And so what you have is you have these big-headed people walking around spitting out Bible knowledge, but not really knowing how to use it. Anybody ever encounter somebody like that? Mm-hmm. I'm just... He's sitting next to me now. Well, no. Or he's standing up front. No, come on now. I know you're thinking it. So what we want to do is we want to understand that it, 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 discipleship is the whole person, not just the, the head. So as what we're going to do is I'm going to look here in, in Mark chapter 6. But before we get to Mark chapter 6, um, small groups. Why are we talking about small groups? Now, this is not some new fad that is coming into uh, the church world, and, and people are like, well, we got to talk about small groups. We need to do small groups. Small groups have been around for a long time. And, and because they've been around for a, a, a long time, um, there's a lot of different views on how to do them and, and everything that's involved with them. Uh, well, what I want us to do is I want us to have a clear understanding of the significance of small groups. I, I believe that, that small groups are significant for uh, the health of the church. Now, I, I say that on, 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 we're on the precipice of, 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 of launching these, these small groups um, back out. And, and I don't want anyone to say, well, it's a last-ditch effort to, to, to regain some health. No, 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 no. This is part of growing. We, we need to, for us to grow, we need to be in a smaller communities. And some people, I know that, 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 that there is the, the thought that some people are like, well, you know, that just forms cliques. Okay, cliques or factions or whatever. You can call them whatever you want to call them, but it's just like anything else. If done wrongly, it could have a very adverse effect. What we want to do is as we're uh, uh, relaunching or as we're launching the, these small groups, we want to do this with a clear understanding of the significance. And the significance is for the health of, of the church. Um, I, I believe that um, as we've been talking the last few weeks, that, um, that, that you all really want God to work inside of you. 
I, I want God to work inside of, of me as well. And we've been talking about how God works in me as He works through me, right? Remember that, that, that understanding is so if at the end of the day we want God to work inside of us, we know that we're not the end. We're not the end all be all. That God just doesn't work in me. He works in me as He's working through me. And as I was thinking about that, if God works in me as He works through me, that means that there has to be a recipient on the other end. If we're not in community together, and not just in large community, but in smaller communities, if we're not in community to, uh, together, that God working in you, to, through you, it's kind of like just going out into the, 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 the great wide open. Well, but, but understand that there's no focus of that, that, that work. So what we want to do is we want to provide the opportunities for God to work in you, uh, in you as He works through you to the, those around you. And that's one of the, the, the reasons why we want to focus in, uh, more, more uh, fervently here on small groups. So it's, it's an, important, an important thought along the, this, this, this line. Is that, um, I had a guy tell me uh, not too long ago, and I love this quote. He said, God works on the rails of relationships. God works on the rails of relationships. What does that mean? It means that the relationships in which you have in your life, that's where God is going to work. Too many times what we do is we come and we'll hear a, a, a sermon or a teaching, a message, whatever you want, or maybe we're inspired by a song or, or, or something, and we're like, well, I, you know, I need to do something, but I don't know where to do it. Well, you do it in the relationships in which you have. That's why God brings people into your lives. So, so too often what we do is we think that we have this big burden. Well, I've got to go tell everybody about Jesus. Yes, we do need to proclaim the good news. Yes, we need to tell people about Jesus, but we need to be living the gospel in our lives with those who are in our lives and see God work in the, the relationships in which you already have. Too often what we do is we, we think that we have to go build new relationships so that God can work in those new relationships. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't expand and we shouldn't be talking to people. I'm not saying that at all. But what, what our, our, our um, understanding should be is that the overflow is what everybody else gets. The, the relationships in which we have are already intended by God for you to be engaged in, for Him to work in you as He works through you. We tracking with that? And, and as we look at, at small groups, we understand that these are, are, are the groups and, and these rails in which God has um, has, have, has put in place so that this can flourish. These relationships can flourish. They can, they can grow, and uh, you can be transformed. They can be transformed. So as we're looking at this, I, I, I wrote this down, that the gospel is all about relationship. I don't think that that's anything that's new to you. Uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, what, what Christ did, is all, all of that was so that we can have a relationship with, with, with the Father, right? He came, He, give, he, he gave His life. He, he paid the penalty for sin, and because he did that, he, he uh, uh, spanned the gap. He, he closed the gap between sinful man and a holy, perfect God so that we could be in relationship with him. So when we're talking about the gospel being in relationship, and we're talking about relationships and how um, they are, are the, the rails in which we are to operate and how God operates in us and through us, and, and so his glory is to be seen throughout the world, we cannot minimize cannot minimize what God has put in place for us in these relationships. So, let's do this. Let's get into the text, um, because if we don't, then we'll be here when the game kicks off. What time does the game start today? Anybody? Is there any games? Oh, so we don't have a time, for, time limit. Thank you, you fell right into that. 
Mark chapter 6. Verse uh, 30. What I want to do is I want to... Uh, um, I want to talk about Jesus and small groups. And I'm not going to say Jesus was the first small group leader. I, I think that, that pastors kind of uh, try to do crazy things like that. Uh, and if I would, were to tell you that Jesus was the first small group leader, you should throw something at me because he wasn't. There were small groups way before Jesus uh, stepped on, on earth here. But I think that Jesus has a, had an objective and an understanding uh, and gives us a model for how small groups can uh, operate and how when they operate, they operate uh, most effectively. So, with talking about small groups, we're going to talk about the feeding of the 5,000. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah? Feeding the 5,000. Big, large group. Chapter 6, verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while, for many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. So understand this, that what's happening is Jesus is already in his ministry and there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, there, there, there's a lot of busyness. So when we talk about, well, my life is all, all you know, it's just too busy to, to add anything else to it. Well, if, you are, if your life is busy, um, you're going to relate a lot with uh, the situation here. Because Jesus said, that, hey, I know things are busy. I know that we haven't even had time to, to rest at all. We haven't even had time, what's, what's it say there? Even to, to, to leisure, had no leisure, even to eat. I, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe it's just me, but I've never been too busy to eat. You got, I, 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 so I'm thinking that that's, that's pretty amazing that they were so busy they didn't even have time to eat. So what, what does Jesus say? Let's, let's, let's get away. We need to get away from here. We need to go somewhere because we need a little bit of rest. Verse 33 now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them. So when the boat came in, it says that Jesus, um, he saw the people. The people went there ahead of him. He said that Jesus saw the people and had compassion on them. Why? Because they were like, they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, when, when Jesus looked at this large crowd, and he, he has compassion on them, he, the reason he had compassion on them because they were people like wandering around looking for something. That's why he says they're, they're like sheep with no shepherd. Anybody know what happens to a sheep that doesn't have a shepherd? It, they, they get lost. They don't, they don't last long. They, they wander away from a, a flock and off of a cliff, or they get um, devoured by ravenous wolves. Or there, There's a, 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 a myriad of things that, would ha that could happen to a sheep that, that is outside of the, the, the care of a shepherd. So this is it says here that, that Jesus had compassion because of that. And I love that, that Jesus' um, first response was this, and he began to teach them many things. So why, why do I say that? I think that because too often what we have is we think that care is just coddling. And we bring, well, there's a lot of people. Well, We've got to coddle these people. Give them what they want. Jesus did not say, okay, hey, hey, excuse me. What, what does everybody want? Or what do you think that, that, that you, you, you need? No, he, he said he saw and he had compassion and he took action and he taught them because Jesus knew what they needed. They needed to be taught. There was a reason they were wandering around. 
Now, that's not the, the, the focus here, but the focus is, is going to uh, come up here in a second. But I think it's important for us to understand that, that Jesus addresses the, 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 the need at hand. Verse 35, And when it grew late, his disciples, and I, I love that because when it grew late, you have to understand, you've got to read a little bit of, of, of between the lines, a little bit of backstory here. They, they, they showed up here in, in, in the morning, towards the morning, and then it was growing late. So what, what does that mean? Jesus taught all day long. Y'all are here for like, I teach maybe 40, 45 minutes. Jesus taught them all day long. And it says it was, gro- it was growing like hours upon hours. Some of you are already thinking, oh, about stepped off. Some of you are already thinking about the story of Eutychus in the Bible where, where Paul's preaching all, all night long and he falls out of the window and dies. You're like, don't, don't make us die, preacher. I, I, I get that. But understand, understand this. Jesus taught for long. Why did he teach for such a long time? Because he had a lot to say. And they had a lot to learn. It says here, uh, this is, is, is when it grew late, uh, there, verse 35. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. So they, they knew. The disciples came up to Jesus and said, like, this is a big crowd. They need to eat something. It's getting about that time. I don't know. I know Taco Bell's open late, but I don't know about the rest of them. They need to go and, and get something to eat. Send them away so they can get something to eat. We don't want to have to deal with them. You send them away so they can get something to eat. But he answered them. I love that. This is funny. If you don't, if you don't think that Jesus has a sense of humor, you, you need to liven up a little bit. Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. So, so the, the, the disciples brought a, a problem to, to Jesus saying, hey, they're hungry and it's late and they, they need to get food and we need to send them away so they can go fend for themselves. But remember, Jesus had compassion on them, right? And Jesus taught them all day long and His compassion was not just for the, the, the spiritual needs, which is primarily for the spiritual needs, but Jesus' compassion was also for the physical needs as, as, as well. And that's what He says here, you give them something to eat. And of course, in the, 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 the way in which the disciples operated, they said to him, well, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? So if you look down there in your, uh, your, your footnotes in your Bible, it says that a denarius is a, a day's wage. So they're saying like almost, if you think about 200 days worth of working, that's roughly how many a year's, a whole year's wages. So they're saying like, you want us to take a whole year's wages and go buy uh, food for these, these people here? And Jesus said to them, and he said to them, how many loaves do you have? And I love this picture. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can see like Peter and John looking around like, I don't know how many you got. Well, I, I, I don't know. You, 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 you go find out. He says, hey, go see. You don't know? Go see. Figure it out. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. Five loaves, two fish. Then he commanded them to sit down in groups on the green grass. This is where small groups are really going to come in here, our focus. So he commanded them to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate loaves, the loaves were 5,000 men. 
Now when we understand that, that yes, there are 5,000 men, this is just how they, uh, they, they, they uh, quantified uh, large crowds at this time. So that, that means, that doesn't mean this was just a, 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 a promise keeper's gathering and there was only men that were at this uh, gathering. What, they're, what we can understand here is along with the men, they were probably, the majority of them were, were married and probably had kids in tow. So we're, we're, we're talking tens of thousands of people here. There's a lot of people here that, that Jesus is going to not only teach and, and meet a spiritual need, he, he's going to meet a physical need. Now as we're, we're reading through this, I, I think that it is important um, that we, we note this. And in your notes, I, I wrote down that God moves in, in the large gathering. I, I think it's important that, that God moved in the large gathering. What was the, the movement of God in the large gathering? He kept their attention all day long. And they were hungry. Remember, they just ran all night here. But he, God moves in the large gathering here. He kept, he kept his, their attention. He was giving them the spiritual nourishment. But God does a great work in the small group. What do I mean that God does a great work in the small group? It was inside of that small group that service happened. So Jesus was teaching this large crowd, and the disciples come up, and they say, okay, hey, we need to send them away because they're hungry. And Jesus says, okay, you're going to feed them. Well, we ain't got nothing to feed them. I, some kid's lunchable. Hey, let's take that. They take the kid's lunchable, and Jesus prays to heaven, and he starts dividing this out. Now, Jesus did not go around, and I think that this is the crazy part about uh, even like, um, uh, 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 the artistic view of this. You see paintings where Jesus is handing out food. Jesus did not hand out the food. Jesus gave the food to his disciples. His disciples then took it to the people. And I look at this like Jesus was dividing them up into small groups. Jesus gave them the word, and then he said, here, small group leader, this is what you're going to do. You're going to serve these people. And it was in that smaller group that service happened. It was inside that, that, that smaller group, and, and I, I love this, and I wrote this down here for you, that small groups are where God's provisions are dispersed and enjoyed the most. It's in the small group that God's provisions are dispersed and enjoyed the most. I'm not saying that God doesn't work in the large group. And this is no, this is no dig on, on large churches or anything, or even large gatherings. Not, that's, that's not a dig. Can God work in, 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 in the, the large setting? Absolutely. But there is something special in the way in which He works is in the smaller gathering. Here what we, we see is His disciples were intimately involved in serving these people. So, so think about it. God works in you as He works through you. God was working in the hearts of these disciples as they, He was working through them to provide the needs for these smaller groups. So when, when, we, when we look at this and when we say, okay, yes, God, God has a heart. God has a, a, a passion for large groups. The larger the group, I look at this, the larger the group, the better, the more people that can hear the instruction of God. So if we were to blow out these walls inside of this church because we have so many people here, that is a great thing because more people can hear the instructions of Jesus. Lives will be, will be, will be changed because of people hearing the good news of the gospel. But it doesn't stop there, and that's not the purpose of just get, gathering a big crowd. The purpose here is we want service and servitude to take place. So when, when you have a big crowd, they ne it needs to be broken down into smaller, intimate groups. When it's not broken down into smaller, intimate groups, we have disconnection. When we have disconnection, it's easy to kind of just 
fade away and, and float off into uh, your, your, your own rocky crag or be devoured by a wolf because when you float away from the, 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 the big herd, you're, you get isolated. And, and then things happen and people say things and you just you start conjuring up the, the, this, this craziness that isn't even uh, real, but you make your own reality. What we don't want is we don't want, want people to hear the truth. And I'm thinking of the parable of the soil where you hear the truth of the Word of God and, and then the devil comes and snatches it away from you because you're not rooted, you're not planted in to, uh, to the people and to God's uh, provision of, of, of relationship and of provision of community. Here we see that if God moves in large gathering and He does great work in the small gathering, that His His dispersed glory, His glory is dispersed in these smaller groups because there's more people active. Just think about this. Could Jesus? I don't know. I mean, He was one man, but could Jesus have made a, a an assembly line and handed out bread and fish and made everybody file through? Yeah, I'm sure that that could have happened. But he employed 12 other um, men to, to, to come up and, and, and take part in this dispersion. To take part in the ministry that was taking place there. So when, when I say that, it, it, it's, it's easy to kind of just take a step back and like, well, I've, I've never looked at, at, the, at the feeding of the 5,000 that way. Well, as we look at the, the, the feeding of this 5,000, I think it's a good, mo- a good model for small groups, but it's also a good motivation for small groups. The model being that we need to be in the gathering. We need to be in the gathering so we can hear the, the Word. But then we need to have the, the motivation and also to, to go and break from the, the, the large group into the smaller group to really chew on what was being said in the large groups. I, I, it doesn't say this in, in the text. This is total speculation and conjecture on my part. But I have a hard time believing that when the disciples came and was, were, was handing out all this food, that there was not a single person who had a question about what Jesus said that day. I know that there was a Wayne in, in the, that, that crowd. <laughs> there, there, there had to be. So, so think about, just think about this on the level of, of, of what's taking place here. It's almost as if Jesus knew that, that, that things were going to take place and He wanted to provide an opportunity he wanted to provide this opportunity so those, those, those uh, uh, conversations and the, so those discussions can happen. Because it says here that, that yes, they were, they, they were fed, but it says that they went away satisfied. So I, I, I'm, I, I, again, I, I, this is total conjecture on my part, but I, I have a hard time believing that they were just physically satisfied. I think that there was, uh, there was elements of being spiritually satisfied as well. And it wasn't just, and please don't hear me, I'm not taking anything away from our Lord and Savior here. I think He would promote this. It wasn't just His words that were going out. It was the connection and the community that was taking place inside these smaller groups as well. As the, 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 um, the explanation maybe, or the discussion of what was being taught was was happening. Because you, you, you isolate, it's just like this, if we take and we, we split everybody up in here into a smaller group, and we say, hey, talk about something from the, the, the sermon today, you're going to have different conversations and different discussions. It, it, it may be, well, I think Lee's trying to grow his hair out or something, I mean, he didn't shave his head. Or, but, or it may be like, hey, you know, when he said this, what, did, what, did, what does this really mean? Or, oh, I never saw this in, in the Scripture. But whatever it is, the different discussions will be happening in different small groups. I don't think that that's bad. I think that that's intended. And as we, as we look at this, 
We see the, the, the model and the motivation for these small groups is God uh, does care about the big group, but the small group it has this special intimacy. These are, are, are uh, some people call them cell groups, which kind of is like more terroristic in my mind. I think of a cell group, I think of like Al-Qaeda or something like that. But, but, but think about a, a, a smaller group that has a, a purpose of growing together. And as they're growing together, they're, they're not just growing in knowledge, they're growing in life and they're doing life together. So when, when that group hits, hits a, 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 a road bump, or how about an individual in that group has a, a problem, there's people that are closer than the larger group that can come in and help in a situation. I, I, I know that, that, that you guys have all, every one of us have, has encountered some type of situation that was outside of our control um, where something, somebody had to step in. And, and I know also that there are a lot of people that don't have that someone that, 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 to, to step in. And they, 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 they welcome in the wrong people to step in. And when they welcome in the wrong people, bad things happen. So what we have to understand is that this is kind of like preventative measures in the sense of we need to be in small groups so that when we're in these smaller groups, we can understand better the teachings of Christ. Why can you understand better the teachings of Christ? Because you can ask questions. You can interact. Granted, we're, we're, we're laid back here, but I don't, during the service, I don't welcome somebody to raise their hand and say, well, what did you mean by this, that, or the other? If, if so, we would, we would be here till 5 o'clock at night. You know, but, but, but there has to be a time where you can ask questions of like, I understand what you said, but I, I don't understand how this applies, or, or, or whatever it, it may be. Because I, I think it, it's important as we, grow, as, we, as we grow in our walk with Christ, and I, and I don't want to say if you grow, because I, 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 I don't want anybody to be an if. I want everybody to be an as. As, A-S. Stop there. I want everybody to be an as. As you're growing... Some of you are like, oh, I got it. <laughs> Put your hands up next time, it won't go over your head. As you're growing in Christ, you need help because you were not designed to do this alone. You were not designed by God to do this alone. Yes, we need the large group, but we need the smaller group. Uh, turn with me over to um, Luke chapter 6. How are we doing? Okay. Luke chapter 6. Because I, I can sit here and, and, and talk about this, this larger group and, and how it was broken down into smaller groups. But I want to talk about uh, the pick and the purpose. What do I mean the pick and the purpose? I was trying to alliterate to keep the, the both P's there. But the choice. And we have to understand that God chooses. God does choose. And, and when I say He chooses, Jesus chose His small group. I would love to say, well, this is the model in which we're going to take here, and Dan's going to go choose his people, and, and Kurt's going to choose his, and, you know, and we're all going to choose our people. Well, that's not what I, I want to focus on, because I, I think if we did that, that, we probably would make the wrong choice. Jesus is perfect, and he didn't make the wrong choice. But we have to understand, there is a choice that needs to be made in small groups. Jesus' choices are on the other side, because it says here that he chose his twelve. Now remember, we understand that God, or that Jesus, God in human flesh, that Jesus had compassion over these large crowds. And when he had compassion over these large crowds, it wasn't that, um, that, that, that they didn't matter um, more, or they, they had any less significance. But what we have to understand is, um, when the Bible talks about Jesus' disciples, there was also a large crowd of Jesus' disciples as well. Look, look with me at um, Luke chapter uh, 6, verse 12. 
This is corresponding roughly, maybe around the same time frame. Uh, not, not necessarily, so don't hold me to that, but it has to do with a mountain and Jesus talking. So it may be around the same time frame, uh, if not uh, close proximity to what we just talked about, but the feeding of the, the 5,000. Um, it says, in these days, he went, uh, he went out to a mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. This is our Pentecostal brothers and sisters. This is their woohoo! All night long praying. Thank you. I was waiting for it. Uh, and when day came, again, so they prayed all night. So, and when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12. So why am I, why am I highlighting this? Well, there was a lot of people who followed Jesus that were considered his disciples, but Jesus chose 12. Why did he choose 12? Because there were 12 that he wanted to be more intimate with. He wanted to do life with and he wanted to show him, show them more things. They wanted to have closer, a closer proximity for discipleship to happen. So that the growth can be could be exponential. We know that that, that is what, what takes place. We know that, uh, that, that it's not that Jesus doesn't love the big groups, because Jesus loves big groups. That's one of your fill-ins there. Jesus loves the big groups, but he chooses the small groups. Why does he choose the small groups? Well, this comes into a, a, def, a working definition which I think you need to understand about when we're talking about small groups here in, this, in, in, in our church. Small groups here at LifePoint Church, we mean this when we say small groups. A relational context for discipleship. A relational context for discipleship. Yeah, there, there are a lot of other things can happen, but when we were coming up with trying to figure out and wanting to communicate clearly, what we wanted, wanted to communicate clearly is these small groups, there has to be an intention, there has to be a purpose for this. We want to create these environments where relationship happens, but all of that, we don't want to just create little cliques, social clubs, factions, whatever. We want to create a clique that's focused on discipleship. We want, a, we want a, a, a group of people coming together and their whole focus, their primary focus is because they want to grow in Christ. Now, if that's through taking something like, like Dan, there being a Dan small group where it's through learning more about prayer and praying more, then fine. That's the relational context there. If it's through uh, Jake's or Kurt's, or, or it doesn't matter. Whatever the, 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 the topic is, that's just, that's, that, that, that's just a, 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 a focus point. Of, of, of uniting people together to grow into the or to grow in their walk with Christ. So discipleship can't happen. Remember, so discipleship is that intentionally engaging. It's an intentionality that to, to, to take place. So and I think that that's why why Jesus he, he takes and he he had this huge following, but he wanted he wanted to take a step in, um, and show that there has to be intentionality in discipleship because if there's no intentionality in discipleship, we have a lot of people that say, I'm a disciple, but, what, but are never growing. We, we, we can't have that. Because, it, it, again, if you, if you look here at what I, uh, I gave you, the, the definition of what a disciple is, a disciple is a believer of Jesus Christ whose life is changed by what? By following Christ and His commands. That's, so it, it, it's... it's Change. It's not a, a single time. It's an ongoing. It, it's a until you die. Your life's going to be continually changing. Uh, believe it or not, this is this is one of the motivations why I like to change things around in the church a lot. Is because when we get set into a pattern, when we get we get what we call uh, complacent. 
And, and, and again, well, it's just chairs. You're moving chairs. Whatever. Or you're, you're moving service schedule. But, but here's the deal. In whatever area, if we're complacent, then we get settled in that area, and then we move on and get complacent in another area. And then we get complacent in another area. And then soon we turn around, and our whole life is a bunch of uh, it's just, it's just complacency. And then we can situationally justify our bad behavior. But I do this, and I do this, and I do this. So what we need to do is we need to be on our toes. Why do we need to be on our toes? We have to understand that change is now. But change is not only now. It's tomorrow and the next day. It's a continual progression. We talked about sanctification a couple weeks ago. It's that continual uh, learning and growing in holiness and, and becoming more and more and more and more like Christ. I believe as Jesus, He, he chose his, his 12 disciples here and He calls them apostles. It says in, in Mark chapter 3, it says that He gave them power. He, he gave them authority when he, when he chose them. So understand that, that, that Jesus is looking out and He's saying, okay, I have compassion on all these. I hear my group, my large group of disciples. I want an intimate group in which I can teach them closely the ways, the Word, the, what they need to understand so that I can accomplish the Father's work. I, I, I think it's important here that we have to understand that God's glorifying work is accomplished in smaller groups. What do I mean? I'm not, I'm not bashing on Billy Graham. I think he did a great thing. I mean, there are millions of people who have been impacted in large groups. And I'm not take, I don't want to take any glory away from God. But that's, that's, that's not normal. That's not normal. What, 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 is, what, what is normal is how God works in the smaller groups. Jesus Himself, and we can even take it a step further and say, okay, Jesus chose from a large group, He chose His 12. And, and then from His 12... There was an even smaller group, Peter, James, and John, that he had, that he spent even closer time with. So I'm not saying that, he, that God's glory doesn't, doesn't shine in the large group. I, I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that I believe that it's in the smaller, intimate settings where God's, where God's glory shines the most. Because then you see you have interaction and you're in people's lives. And not only are you in people's lives, you're walking side by side. You're encountering things that you wouldn't encounter coming on Sunday. It's easy. I know that no one in here would ever do this. But it would, it's easy to come into a larger setting like this and just not get connected with anybody. And then you go out and then, you know, I'll come back next Sunday. That's too easy. That's not the intended purpose. The intended purpose is to be the body. The body is knit together. It's joined. It's have one, one mind. It's, it's, it, as we are knit together, God's going to work in us as He works through us, and people are going to see this glory. Not our glory. It's the glory that, that, that Jesus talks about in uh, John chapter 17. We'll land the plane here. Turn over to John chapter 17. In John chapter 17, I, I, I'll tell you this. Um, here, let's, let's read, I'll just read starting verse 1, 1 through 5, real quick. Understand that this is Jesus with his, his disciples on the night before he was murdered. His, this is Jesus with, with, with the disciples, they're in the upper room, this is the upper room discourse, this is like this most, if you're going to talk about some of the most intimate times in Jesus' life, this is probably the most intimate time that Jesus had with his disciples. 
Now, I, I understand that we're in 2019, that when we say things like intimate, our, our culture automatically makes our, 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 has influenced us to think that it has some kind of sexual nature. No, no, no. There's nothing more intimate than being vulnerable and, and having a connection with somebody, a soul connection with, with someone. This is an intimacy in which, which Christ had with his, his disciples here. And it says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given. And this is eternal life. I, I love this when people are like, what is eternal life? Well, the Bible explains it. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I like to highlight here that Jesus says, I glorified, past tense, you on earth, having accomplished, accomplished, past tense, the work that you gave me to do. What was the work in which the Father gave the Son to do? Before you jump to, to the, the answer here, Jesus hasn't died yet. He hasn't paid the penalty for sin yet. He hasn't risen from the, the dead yet. So what did he accomplish that gave God glory? He accomplished this small group of discipleship. He had a small group of disciples that were able to then carry on his teachings. We find out in, in, the, in the teachings of, of Paul, we find out later on in the Bible, this, this is the foundation. Everything's built upon the foundation of the apostles. Those who were given the authority by God to continue on and to, Jesus says, upon this rock I, I will build my church. Upon the teachings then of the apostles that, that, that you go forth, that's what Christ built his church upon. So understand what was accomplished. What was accomplished is, is Jesus had a successful small group. That's what was accomplished. Why was it a successful small group? Because there were disciples that were made that then go on to make disciples, that go on to make disciples, that go on to make disciples. So, that's why I can say this. God's glorifying work is accomplished in smaller groups. Can God work in the big groups? You better believe He can work in the big groups. But He does something special in the smaller groups. So with that, I, I do want you all to just kind of continue to, to think about, um, you know, it, it, am I going to get engaged in these smaller groups? I, I don't want anybody to, to, to feel guilted into being engaged into a small group. But I want you to honestly wrestle with that question of do I believe that God works in smaller groups and, and given the evidence in which it was given today, I want to grow in my walk with Christ so I, I, am, am I willing to take the necessary step of faith to get involved in one of these small groups that are, that are coming up? So let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you. Um, Lord, we love you. God, I, I pray that as we went through a lot of information, even before the sermon even started, but th during this message, God, I, I pray that this, this, these, these words that, that we, we talked about and this model in which you, that we can see, we, we know that, that it's, we can try to impose our own, uh, our own methodology in here, but God, I, I feel that, that I, I want us to, to, to understand that we're drawing from your truths. And there was a reason that you took this large crowd that you, that you had loved and you had compassion for, and then you broke them down into smaller uh, groups so, so that, that the discipleship and the serving could, could, could take place. 
So your glory could be, could be shown as your disciples were, were, were being changed, as you were working in them, as you were working through them. So God's stirring us something that, is, um, that needs stirred so badly in, in, our, in our culture today. Uh, stirring us a, 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 a desire just to be with you more and to learn more about you and to live for you. Not with just our head, but with our heart and our hands as well. So God, it's all for your glory. It's all for your honor. Uh, God, we want to be your church. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.